Hello and welcome to the Energy Pioneers Podcast, a show dedicated to the legacy of the pioneers of the offshore oil and gas industry. I'm energy historian Jason Terrio. Each podcast episode features stories of industry pioneers whose leadership, grit, and technological expertise built the modern offshore industry in the Gulf of Mexico and around the world. For more than two decades, the Oilfield Energy Center in Houston has honored these legendary men and women by inducting them into the OEC's Hall of Fame. The stories you will hear are from the Hall of Famers themselves, whose original interviews with the OEC have been digitally remastered and preserved for posterity. We begin this new podcast series with one of the pioneers in offshore safety and survival training, Margaret McMillan. McMillan earned a bachelor's degree in health, physical education, and psychology at Southwestern Louisiana Institute in 1940, and then a master's degree from the University of Texas. She was a Red Cross girl stationed in Miami during World War II, after which she returned to Lafayette to teach women's physical education at Southwestern Louisiana Institute now the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. Then, in 1976, she saw an opportunity of a lifetime to develop a world-class water training and survival program for the burgeoning offshore oil and gas industry. She retired from teaching and started Macmillan Offshore Survival Technology. She became internationally recognized as an expert in the field of sea survival technology and earned national and international acclaim. Because of her contribution to offshore safety, the OEC inducted McMillan into its Hall of Fame in 2005. Her love for swimming and aquatics drove her passion and vision for creating this groundbreaking survival program from which thousands have benefited. I had a very, very um, active background in aquatics. And because of my aquatic background, uh, Bill Root, who was then district superintendent of the Phillips Petroleum Company, asked me one day, or did not show, I, I, let me correct that, he asked the American Red Cross chapter in Lafayette to develop a program that would train his personnel in how to survive in water if they found themselves in water. Because back in the old days, they were tr training the men and telling them, run and jump. If you see an emergency, just run and jump. Well, after uh, I was asked by the Red Cross chapter to develop this program, they told us that they wanted to have something like the World War II Warfare Aquatics. Bill had been in World War II, as had many of the men who were in the petroleum industry at that time, and they knew warfare aquatics. Well, we developed a program because I happened to have uh, known uh, Dr. Thomas Curitan very well from the University of Illinois, who had developed the Warfare Aquatics Program. And I had worked closely with Dr. Curitan and with some men at the University of Illinois long before this happened, because I had met them in the professional world of aquatics. And I got, went ahead and got his, all his information together, and we put this program together. Well, after putting this program together and having taught these gentlemen over a period of two or three programs, I realized that none of them knew how to use the life-saving equipment. 
Now, you understand that government was requiring, and I say government, the United States Coast Guard was requiring industry to have millions of dollars worth of life jackets, lifeboats, life rafts, life everything. And uh, it, it just seemed rather strange that uh, nobody knew how to use the equipment. So I, I got to thinking about this, you know, I mean, my goodness. Here we have all these men jumping in the water when they have all this equipment up there. And then here we've got all these people riding ferry boats, cruise ships, helicopters, airplanes, and very little was being done in the days when I started. For Macmillan, it was a eureka moment. There clearly was a need for aquatic water survival training in the U.S., particularly in the offshore waters of the Gulf of Mexico. But no such program existed in America. She subsequently traveled to the United Kingdom and learned from their experts and gained institutional knowledge about how to develop a novel program in the U.S. One of her main goals was to learn how to teach underwater helicopter escape. By the late 1970s, most offshore workers traveled to the rigs and platforms via helicopter, so teaching them how to survive in a crash could save lives. In the old days, we would see headlines 22 people killed in helicopter crash, 11 people killed in helicopter crash. I remember specifically a, a Pennzoil accident back in those days. And I thought to myself, my gosh, why can't something be done about this? Nowhere in the United States could I find an underwater egress training program. We had had it during uh, World War II, but we didn't, we'd uh, dismantled it all and we didn't have it but the Royal Navy still had it in England. When I got back from my first visit to the UK, they had these hydraulically operated uh, underwater egress trainers, and of course there was no way we had the money to do that at the time, and I didn't know enough about it. I could probably, I mean, hindsight is better than foresight. I probably could have gotten it if I really had not But I didn't know how to go about this because I didn't know many people in the oil patch. And another thing I want you to know, I was developing a program for an environment I knew nothing about. And I was trying to go offshore and nobody would take me. Uh, mineral management offered to take me one time and then they come call me the morning we were to fly and they said, sorry, but they say we can't take you. So finally a friend of mine who was with Superior Oil, he calls me and he says to me, Margaret, I hear you want to go offshore. And I said, I certainly do. His name was Arthur Barry. And he said, well, you just pack your bag because my safety man's going to take you offshore so you can find out what this environment is like. So I went off and I vi visited uh, the Keck. I've forgotten, I think there were two or three Kecks, but nevertheless, Arthur Barrett got me offshore. Then I had a f more of a feel for what I was working with, you know. And as we started the program, we were having to beg, borrow, and steal because I had no money. I mean, uh, there was no cash available, and I wasn't about to borrow money to open a business at my age. And that's why I never built, I, that's why I didn't go into the private aspect of it. As McMillan realized, there were major deficiencies in offshore safety and survival. The offshore industry desperately needed someone to champion this cause and to develop and teach fundamentals in water survival. The men were trained to jump into the water. Now you understand that they were told to get their life jackets. They were never trained in how to get organized before they jumped in the water. 
They were never taught how to jump in the water. They were never taught what to do at the time of rescue. And they were not taught what to do while they were trying to survive and wait for rescue. They were not told how to use the lifeboats. I, um, I can't help but think of my friend, Matt Gordy. Uh, Matthew Gordy was um, quite in the Hall of Fame at LSU. He was a great track star. And he was then drilling superintendent of Amoco back in the 60s. Well, Matt retired, and one day when I came over here to teach a class, I said, Matt, why don't you come and just monitor my class? I'd like for you to see what I'm doing. He said, I'd love to come. So I, he came, and when he got through going through the class, he said to me, Margaret, if we'd have just had this program in the 60s, the lives we could have saved is unbelievable. And he said, you have really hit upon something here that is fabulous for our industry. Now, it was at that end of my career that all of this began to develop because this program was started back in the early 70s at the university, and it was done under the direction, or I shouldn't say direction, but it was under the promotion of the um, Petroleum Training Service. I would train for them as a member of the faculty there on the campus. When we first started, we were under contract to the University of Southwestern Louisiana, and we taught our programs there at the university. This thing kept growing and growing and growing, and it, it was just so interesting to see the way the thing was developing. Because I can remember that there were some con you know, companies that um, wanted the training, but there was just a question there about whether the company should do it. And I was invited one night to go to a meeting, and it was so funny because I ha really had to laugh. One man got up and said, I have been through this survival training program, and I am asking this company to give us this training. And he said, I am going to tell you right now, and I want everybody in this company to know that I will not fly in a helicopter unless I'm sitting by the escape, uh, door where, through which we can escape, because I know how to get out of that door. And I don't want to be sitting somewhere else and not know what to do or not have the person sitting next to the door not know what to do. So he was pretty demanding of his views. Well, the company called very shortly thereafter and wanted to have a select group of their men come in and have, get the training. That was one of the most exciting experiences of my life. These men, about 25 in the room, at the end of the training program, got up and gave me a five-minute standing wow. ovation. They had really been waiting for this training, you know, and once it got started, it sort of snowballed. And uh, then it was just a matter of it going, and there were a lot of young safety directors that were in the oil patch then that were really behind the program, and the Coast Guard was behind the program. I can remember Pete Cronk, who was then the uh, Marine Safety Officer out of the United States Coast Guard uh, Office in New Orleans. He stood up in front of a group one night and he said, uh, this woman is the greatest liaison that ever happened between industry and government. So anyway, I, I took an early retirement and I uh, developed my own company, uh, which was Macmillan Offshore Survival Technology. As sort of an ambassador for offshore survival training, 
McMillan traveled the world and participated in many international committees and conferences. She became part of the global marine survival training and teaching community that fell under the auspices of the International Association of Sea Survival and Training. She brought this expertise back to her training center at USL to teach the lessons to new instructors and students. It was a pioneering achievement, but she didn't do it alone. I didn't do it by myself. Nobody ever does anything by themselves. And uh, sometimes the others who have helped and contributed don't get the credit. But I mean, there were so many people that were very instrumental in this total thing. One of the things that I'm particularly proud of is the fact that I had four nephews, three of whom, uh, and this is part of my legacy, have followed me into this world. I have one uh, nephew who has his own survival training company out of uh, Belfast, Maine, and he now is our U.S. delegate and representative to the international group. I have another one who is uh, with Ares Marine as safety and training director. And I have another one who works with Survival Systems International uh, as safety and training director. And he also owns his own company with Macmillan Rescue Products. I have maybe about um, 10 or 15 others who had worked for me uh, at the time that are off in these various areas, many of whom are working at the Marine Survival Training Center in uh, the University of Louisiana in Lafayette and uh, many of whom have gone to work as safety and training people out in the oil field. Hayes McMillan, one of her nephews who followed in her footsteps, has been involved in marine survival training virtually all of his life. Margaret McMillan was my aunt. Uh, we referred to her as Aunt Mog. Uh, when I say we, I'm talking about my three brothers and my sister. Our typical summers were being put on a Greyhound bus in Baton Rouge and sent over to Lafayette, where we would take swimming at her swim school in her backyard pool. Uh, eventually, we were you know, trained to teach swimming, and that kind of started our career in the water. She eventually saw the need to focus on the oil field with teaching swimming, which eventually rolled into a full water survival program. And that was the start of McMillan Offshore Survival Technology. We would pack up the truck and go with her to Homa, uh, you know, Buras, eventually going to Houston and all the way to California. Boy, that was the highlight of the summer was getting a trip to California. We've started off as equipment haulers and eventually became instructors uh, with the program. When you look at the oil field in the 70s and even in the 80s, it was pretty much a male-dominated industry. And I think that's one of the impressive things about Aunt Mog is the fact that she was able to start a business and become successful with it in those times. With the company being mainly a road show, it did make it very convenient for companies to send their guys to the program. And with Lafayette becoming the oil field hub back then, uh, we did start teaching at the university pool there at the conference center at USL. Looking back at the life of Margaret McMillan and her contributions, it was basically a life of service. And when you look at her military time, you look at her working for the Red Cross, you know, we look at the university and her teaching and running the phys ed department for women. You know, 
teaching swimming to young kids in our backyard during the summertime, and then eventually retiring and starting up McMillan Offshore Survival. Uh, her legacy lives on, and my brother John, who still runs McMillan Offshore Survival up in Maine, uh, he also works with the Maine Maritime Academy. He teaches lobstermen uh, Coast Guard approved programs that they're required to have. You look at Terry Crownover, who still runs MSTC that she helped start. You know, he's the director there. My brother Wyckoff still works in safety. And myself, I worked at Shell Robert Training Center, you know, 16 years, uh, you know, operating their program there. You know, growing up, I always said everybody needs an Aunt Mog, right? She was so generous. Uh, she wanted the best for everybody, not just us, anyone who she worked with. And she'll be remembered dearly. In the late 1980s, with her nephews in tow, McMillan decided to transfer the operation and management of her training school to the university. With financial assistance from the oil and gas industry, McMillan's school became the Marine Survival Training Center, which is still in operation today. My name's Terry Cronover. I'm the director for the Marine Survival Training Center at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. I first met Margaret McMillan in 1986, interviewing as a for a position of a sea survival instructor. She had formed a company in the late 70s, Macmillan Offshore Survival Technology, to fill a void out here in the Gulf of Mexico because people out here had no training at all on any type of sea survival techniques. I know this because I started working offshore in the early 70s, both on vessels and on drilling units. Basically, you did your drill, you put your jacket on, and that was that. That was your training. Margaret always had a big thought about people need to know how to take care of themselves in the water. Because one of the things that she found out was well, these fellows are flying offshore in a helicopter. They're really not getting any training at all in case it should ditch into the water. So she put together the first offshore sea survival training was helicopter underwater regress training plus sea survival. So you got the aviation and the U.S. Coast Guard equipment. You got in the water with it. You tried it out. Basically what we're, she was wanting people to do is to get a little confidence in themselves that they found themselves in the water to trust this equipment. And so a lot of the course was hands-on. One of the things that Margaret told me when we were doing the interview that stuck in my head and still to this day, she goes, Terry, what you teach somebody today can save their lives tomorrow. And what we found out that this is a very true statement that through training here in the Gulf of Mexico and around the world, countless people have lived during bad situations. And it was all put together, started by the grand dame of sea survival, Ms. Margaret McMillan. We went ahead and we developed a program in a chair. I thought, now what's the best way we can do this? We're gonna beg and borrow from everybody we knew. I called all these various manufacturers of life-saving equipment and everybody contributed. And then we had to develop a way to teach people how to get out of a helicopter. Well, I got a straight back chair. I called PHI and I asked them for some seat belts. Would they give us a few seat belts? And they did. And then we got a bunch of the boys together and we got broomsticks. 
Now, this was our original program. We sat a man in a chair with a seatbelt, and he was holding a broomstick because the objective of getting out, if you're trapped, is to be oriented in relationship to your point of exit. Example, if I've got to get out of this door and I'm turned upside down, I don't want to go to no, go that direction. I want to go to my right. So when I'm upside down, I want to be able to pull to the right or vice versa, left or right. You, you, you're going left, you're going right. You're not going this way or that way. So we would turn them over upside down. We'd make them count to two or three. They would unbuckle their seatbelt and they would come out. Now, you must understand that a lot of these men that we deal with, or dealt with back then, were petrified of water. Many of them did not know how to swim. And we had a few little problems. But here we had to have men strong enough to handle these bodies in water. Well, the body isn't as heavy in water as it is out of water, obviously. So we would turn them over, and then we would work them up to eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Then they unbuckled. Reason being, that if you're trapped, you don't want to unbuckle and try to get out when there is turmoil. You want to wait till things settle down, and then you exit. My mind right now is, is thinking in terms of a young man I trained from um, Schlumberger. He had transferred from California to Lafayette. I trained him, let's say, on a Wednesday. The next day, his helicopter ditched. He was on his way out to a Chevron platform. And the word got back to me. Everybody got out of the helicopter. And the pilot was panicky because they were missing one guy. And finally, here comes this guy just exiting, la di da di da <laughs> He said, where in the heck have you been? He said, that lady told me to count to eight. <laughs> so he was sitting in there counting 1,001, 1,003, and out he comes. So I, you know, it's, it's been shocking how many people have met me on the street and thanked me having saved their lives. I was going into Zeus Restaurant in Lafayette the other day, and this gentleman and his wife come up to me, and he said, Miss Macmillan, I am so glad to see you. He said, I've got to thank you for saving my life. I should have written you a letter a long time ago. And I mean, I could go on with little things like this that, that have happened to me. Anywhere I go in the world today, I don't care if I'm in Heathrow Airport, if I'm in Hong Kong, or if I'm in Paris, France, or if I'm in Lafayette at the airport or on the street. Hi, Miss Mac. Are you Margaret Macmillan? Well, you taught me how to swim, or you taught me survival, or you taught me something, you know, dealing with the aquatic world. Margaret McMillan passed away in 2016 at the age of 96. Her legacy lives on in not just her accomplishments, but in the thousands of offshore workers who have been trained because of her work. There's a lot to be said for what training has done in the saving of lives offshore. And uh, there's a lot to be said about what this program has done for all people in the United States of America who work travel and play over water. This concludes our first episode of the Energy Pioneers podcast. I'm the host, Jason Terrio. Stay tuned to more episodes and be sure to check out the Oilfield Energy Center's website at OceanStarOEC.com where you can find the full listing and stories of the Offshore Hall of Fame. And if you ever come to Galveston, Texas, be sure to visit the Ocean Star Offshore Drilling Rig Museum 
Thanks for listening.